Hello, podcast listeners. Yesterday's speak properly, shall we? Enunciate. In yesterday's episode, I talked about loss of self, which is a pretty damn uncomfortable place to be, and you want to get out of there as fast as you can. And the trouble is, when you're in it, you don't know how. And I talked about one of the first things you can do to navigate, to begin to navigate with very, very tentative steps out of that place of loss of self was to start with meditation. So you might be thinking, oh, she's going to talk about meditation again. But actually, I'm not. What I thought might be interesting would be to give you a glimpse into what that was like for me, that rediscovery of self, just to give you, if you like, a window into into someone else's experience that maybe you can relate to or maybe will give you that tiny glimmer of light at the end of your own tunnel that says, ooh, could I? And as you might imagine, because I've talked about tiny, tiny steps, just you just have to take a leap of faith to begin with and go, look, I, I just can't imagine how this could possibly help. And even at the beginning, it, it just maybe takes the tiniest, tiniest edge of something, a bit like, you know, maybe being in freezing cold weather and the temperature just warms by half a degree. And you think, how could that be any different? Like, how could that improve things? And in that moment, it kind of doesn't feel that much better. But if that half a degree is leads to another warming in the temperature by another half a degree, I guess when I'm triggered to menopausal, I should probably reverse that and we'll have it getting colder and cooler. But you get my drift. So it's not easy to accurately identify what order these steps come in. And they won't be the same for you as they were for me because of that glorious thing called our subconscious mind, which works on its own terms, in its own way, and will hook into certain things in a different way and at different speeds for you than it did for me. But here's how I recollect, even though it wasn't very long ago, how I recollect the sequence of events as I began to emerge from this this shell. So I've told you that meditation was the first step. Now, remember, I didn't know that I was any of these things I was struggling with had anything to do with menopause. So I remained in that state of meditation was my only thing for a few years. So I want to let you know that that is not the whole answer. But what it enabled me to do was just keep my head just above water. You know, I was like treading water the whole time. Uh, it didn't suddenly revealed to me the answer to everything and I sailed serenely on uh, and go, oh, well, what was all that about? I'm fine now. That didn't happen. But it did. It gave me just something to hold on to. I didn't know where it was going to take me. I just was hanging on for dear life and it gave me that. It was my life raft, my, you know, whatever it is. Analogies are enough, enough, Shirley, enough of the analogies. So the next step I took, which I said was a very long time, that, okay, there was another one in between, which I've shared on other episodes, which was that 
do you remember me telling you the story about when I thought, oh, for goodness sake, what is it I do with clients when they're this stuck, when when they just cannot see anything better? If you said to me or my clients, well, you know, what would you like to do? Where would you like to be in three years, five years, next week, next month? And the answer is just complete and utter silence and an uncomfortable silence because when you're asked that question and you don't know the answer, even when you ask yourself, in fact, probably especially, you start to get more panicky, panicky that you don't know the answer and you feel like you should. Like, how can you get out of this? It, it, like, it makes the problem worse for you because you think, if I don't even know what I want, what, what, does better, what does life being better look like? How the hell do I even know that? If I don't know that, how can I get out of this? Because it's like jumping in the car, ready to go somewhere. Like, you know you want to go somewhere because you don't like where you are. You're in this really horrible environment. It doesn't look very pleasant. You know, it's all grey and there's no, no light, no flowers, no birds, no no laughter, no joy. It's a horrible, horrible place and you jump in the car and someone says, right, where are we going? And you have no idea. You don't know where the greyness ends. You don't know which direction to begin going in and you feel utterly deflated. It's like you've got the car, but you don't know where to take it. So that feels worse. So I kept saying to myself, what do I do? What do I do when I get people in this situation? And I go, okay, I've got to take you back. If I can't, if you can't think forwards, let's think back. Let's find something in your past that did feel easy and light and you didn't have to think about it and you just enjoyed it just for the sake of it. And for most people, I, I know I'm going backwards here and I know I said I'd give you, okay, what was it like when I came out of it? But I, I've just remembered this really important step, which I've shared before, but I don't want to leave a piece of the jigsaw out. So take, take you back to something, some moment, some experience where you didn't have to think about it. There was no hard work. There was no goal involved. There was no, oh, what would you like to achieve here? There was none of that. There was just pure unadulterated, I'm doing this because it feels good. And for most people that comes from a place in childhood or youth. And it's the smallest of things like jumping on a bed, having a pillow fight with a, a friend or a sibling, uh, playing in sand, splashing in water, you know, any of those kinds of things that you just do because they're fun. That's it. So I'm not going to labour on that. I've, I've done that in other episodes. I'll come back to it again another time. But that was my second step of, oh, what do I do? And then maybe you remember my knitting story. I went to the library, went to this knitting group. And that began to stimulate the positive neural pathways, sort of beginning to lay down little pinpoints of light that at this point, didn't really seem to have much connection. And I used an analogy with a client the other day of what we're doing when we're building those neural pathways. If you imagine that you are tasked with laying out a marathon route in the middle of the desert, where everything looks the same, 
It was exactly the same. It's sand everywhere. And your job is to lay out a route for a marathon runner so that they know where they're running so that they know when they get to the finish. But imagine that to begin with, you plonk down a little marker, like a mile down the track. I say track, you know, we're in the desert, we're not on a racetrack. And then you plant another marker two and a half miles down and then another one five miles down. It isn't enough at that point for any runner to see where the route is. It's like, because they can't see where the next one is. It's like, oh, well, okay, well, I've managed to reach this one. Which way now? And that's what it's like when you're creating these neural pathways. So what you just begin is a process of, to begin with, you go, what do I do now? I just put down a marker, now what? And you don't consciously have to decide the direction. What you do have to do is keep giving your subconscious mind markers. And the markers come in the guise of pleasurable experiences, things that you don't have to think about, that you just know they feel good. Uh, for whatever reason, you know, music you like, movement you like, fragrances you like, experiences you like, and you might just begin by remembering them, not even doing them. And the more of those pointers you give your mind, the more it does the work for you and starts to join the dots. And it auto creates the route. This is the difference between goal setting and in a coaching environment. Oh, what's your next goal? You've got to think about your next goal. How are you going to get there? How are you going to get there? That overwhelms you when you are totally in the midst of menopausal anxiety or any other kind of overwhelm and anxiety. Someone asking you what goals are, like that goes to the part of your brain that just is going to make things worse. In this situation, it will make things worse. So you've got to entrust another part of your brain, which will do the job way better anyway. And just keep giving it what it needs and it will construct the route for you. And then as it does that, it's beginning to create positive neural pathways. It begins to calm your parasympathetic nervous system, you feel a little more, oh, just a little, you don't still may not know where you're going, but it's feeling a little bit lighter. And then gradually the route begins slowly to appear. So back to where I started, it's taken me 10 minutes to get to this point. So where did the route begin to appear for me? Well, in some ways the route began to appear with questions questions about not in a panicky way but just mm, is that really what i've been doing this for all this time is that really what i want questions about why i felt driven to to keep working to keep trying to find a way to build a business when up to that point you know from the point where i'd become in the midst of menopause and everything fell apart to to five years later on you know, where I'd effectively been banging my head against the brick wall for five years, not achieving anything, not making any money, not not feeling happy, um, doing part-time jobs, doing jobs that didn't challenge me but still stressed me. Um, I, I began to go, what, why? Why do you want to do this? Are you doing this because you think you should do this? What, what would be wrong? You're just doing nothing. Maybe you should just do nothing. 
And in the gentle asking of the questions, not the pressured answering, asking of the questions, pressured asking means give me an answer, give me an answer, give me an answer. Relaxed asking is just posing a question and letting it sit. And that leads to a different part of the brain seeking out the answer, the part of the brain that's laying out your marathon route without you realising it's doing it. And I realised that whilst I'd been telling myself for a long time, you should be doing this, you must be doing that. Well, you know, what happens if I was all in the negative mindset of what if, if only, oh, do this, do that. It was all very tense and stressful. But when I let go of that and go, well, what do you want? Do you want why? The question began, the answers begin to come back, began to come back to me. That actually I quite liked work, <gasps> which was a revelation because I'd been making myself do it for you know, decades. But when I began to question like, why are you doing this? Because this is what you've always been told, what you just think is normal. When I started to just allow myself to just kind of sink into it a bit and go, is this what you want? Is this what you want? What do you want? Do you want to just knit every afternoon and have tea and cake? <laughs> and I began to realise much as I loved free time, choosing how I spent my time, spending time with family, doing pleasurable things, book reading, walking, whilst I love all those things, and those are really important, and my meditation to include and to make space for and to prioritise, work was also something I wanted. I realised I enjoyed it. Not all of it, but it helped me realise that I did enjoy it, that there were aspects of it that I enjoyed. So when I realised that, that made it easier in so many levels. It meant I could release myself from the shoulds and the musts and the oughts and comfortably switch to I choose. I choose this. I choose this. This is what I want. And it took the pressure off with, oh, you've got to do this by then. You've got to... Because if I just did it because I chose it, I could just follow the path of choice, the follow the path, if you like, of least resistance, which is not the easy route. It's just what feels easier. Does it feel easier to record a podcast about something that has meaning for you? Uh, or to write a book. I'm doing both. Frankly, the podcast is easier, but, but I still choose to write the book. It's still something I choose. And so that's, I think I'm going to park it there. I don't want to overwhelm you and overload you because I've, I've dropped in three key elements here. And though they sound easy and simple and you know, not terribly complicated, they aren't the easiest things to implement, especially not on your own. So that, that final piece that I was able to begin to move towards came because I also started to work with someone who supported me through this. And, and that, and maybe I'll do an episode on that, is like, how do you find the right person? How do you find that person? Because there are plenty of people I've tried to work with to navigate through this this drama and it didn't work and that just increased my frustration so I might leave that for another episode but we've covered first step 
with meditation, it could be yoga, it could be something else, but meditation, something that just gives your mind and your body a break, just give it a break. And the next thing was, what do you do just for pleasure? No intention, no goals, no purpose, just just do it because it's fun. And you might have to look back in childhood for that. And you don't have to go do it, just, just, just find it, think about it, that's all. And then the third piece is, or for me, was beginning to allow myself to ask the questions without being pressured to come up with the answer. Sounds counterintuitive, but what do I want? Do I, do I want this thing I've been doing all this time? Is this what I want? And believe me, even though those sound quite trivial, quite simple, there are they are minefields. <laughs> you know, I cannot tell you which direction they will explode. But what you want is, rather than a mine exploding, more like a firework exploding. Something that goes whoosh and you go, oh, ooh, instead of, ah, take cover. All right, enough of me and my analogies for one day. Uh, catch you on another, another episode soon, I hope. I really must do something about my diction. It's kind of okay with the podcast, but when I do the videos, if you've seen them on Instagram that beautifully adds in captions, so much of it is gobbledygook. In fact, some of it, they even choose German as the language because they clearly don't recognise my diction. Perhaps I should go to elocution. That's not going to happen, I don't think. Anyway, uh, have a great day. I'll catch you tomorrow. Oh, got a client in five minutes. And um, yeah, have a brilliant rest of the day. Share if you found this helpful and I will speak to you soon. Take care. Bye for now. Hi, my name is Shirley Bilson and I'm your host for the Revelation podcast. This podcast is about reinvention, courageous goal setting, and inclusive thinking for results. It's a mix of personal journey, reinvention stories, strategies, and exploring the critical role of what goes on between your ears, taking a conscious look at unconscious thinking. Always remember, if you jump in deep enough, you don't have time to be scared.